Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. We're glad you're here. I'm Kevin McDonald, your host for this grand adventure, and I thank you for joining us. You see, our mission is to create a positive, personal connection to all things with courage and love. We invite terrific guests, interesting topics, and great conversation, all in a fun, entertaining way. And we always manage to learn something, too. So I hope you will stay right where you are for this episode of Positive Talk Radio. And welcome, everybody, to another episode of Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald, and I am glad that you're here because we've got a wonderful guest for you today, somebody that's had a terrific and, at times, difficult life experience. And we're going to talk about all of that. She's a, a, uh, um, a psychologist, correct? You're a psychologist, right? Social worker, psychotherapist. Social worker, psychotherapist. I should have got that at the very beginning. Is what I should have. <laughs> but because I'm such a professional, there are times <laughs> when it just doesn't work out that way. But Shanae Osborne is with us. And how are you, my dear? How, how are things? I am great. Thank you. I'm just happy that it's sunny here in New York. So we're happy here. Yes, indeed. I, that uh, that old um, um, uh, Frank Sinatra song, and, and of course Hel- Elvis did it too, which is New York, New York, comes up, it comes up to mind. But uh, it's 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 great that you are here because we're we're going to talk about a bunch of things that you're working with and and in your social work and who you are and and your life story because you're also we're working in, at the United Nations these days which has got to be, and we were talking about this before we started, has got to be quite a, uh, quite a deal right now with, with what's going on in the world today. Yes, well, I'm actually a volunteer, so I'm one of, um, uh, not many in the world, but uh, one of the representatives for the International Federation of Social Workers. So um, unfortunately, we don't get paid monetarily, but we do get paid as far as, you know, the good that we're doing in this world. So I am part of the North American Commission, um, and I work with just amazing individuals, professors um, that and scholars that just do a lot for this world and have had a lot of experience. So I'm just I'm honored to be a part of this group. You are doing extremely well today, but it wasn't quite always the case that 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 was. You had some challenges earlier on. Would you care to describe them briefly? Yes. Uh, thank you for asking that question. Um, well, you know, I basically, to put it in a nutshell, married the wrong man. Um, I was naive. And as we age, we start to learn um, what we don't know. And when you meet someone that is a narcissist, they are really good at convincing you and manipulating you. So, um you know, my ex convinced me of a lot of different things, but one of the things he did was forge my signature on some documents um, that landed me with a, a lawsuit, eventually a judgment with the SEC, um, stating that I've stolen money. And when they called me, I said, who did I steal from and, and when? And um, I said, you know, listen, please take take my phone records, take my emails, whatever you'd like, um, take those. Um, but of course, you know, trying to fight with the government. It's, it's just not going to work, um, especially when you have no money. Life with my ex was full of ups and downs, private jets, you know, a few months, uh, a few months later, we're hotel hopping. Um, I have three boys. They are now 15, 12 and eight. But they were a lot younger at that point. And life was extremely unstable, sometimes with no food. Um happens with the narcissist is that they really try to isolate you from family and friends. And because you believe that narcissist, you end up, um, you know, believing that what they're saying is true. And so that that happened to me, um, which as funny as that seems is kind of a blessing in disguise because it helped me grow into the person that I am today. You so, know, <clears throat> that's one of the things that I that I want to make sure that we get out there is that your experiences and your sum total of experiences throughout your life are, are there to develop who you are today because without those you wouldn't know and working living with a narcissist that you didn't even recognize that he was a narcissist for a long time did you no no not at all and um 
you know, many times you don't recognize a narcissist, to be perfectly honest. Um, it's until you start to, you know, put one plus one and it's not equaling two anymore. And when you start to look at these things, I remember um, he would take some words that I would say. He's like, no, 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 you misunderstood that. And I go, I could have sworn a narcissist will make you feel crazy. <laughs> Well, and the, 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 but their whole design about what they're doing is manipulating everything around them. And Absolutely. They, and they do it with, I don't understand. You, you must have, and help me here, because you must have some kind of a weird mind to be able to think in terms of, of life being like a chess game, that I'm going to do this, then this will cause this, and then I can get this done. And then that seems to be a lot of work to me. It does seem to be a lot of work. The unfortunate part for some, not all narcissists, is that they actually think that what they're doing is right and they really don't think they're doing anything wrong. Oh, really? So that's that's the sticky point. And so you and me, we'd look at someone on the outside and I have to say the outside because I was on the inside. We'd say, how how can you be with that person? Like, do you not see this? But when you're on the inside, it's a very different story, which millions of people are living with today and so you have made it your kind of your life's work to help people understand that and to get out from under it absolutely because when you finally figure it out um you know when i started figuring things out i thought you know i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna keep a journal and i'm gonna write the things and then i would you know manipulate him if you want for lack of a better term and say you know i have a learning that you know about. So can you repeat that one more time, just so I make sure I understood you? Because it's not you, it's me. So that really helped me to kind of make sure that I was hearing things correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is amazing the games we have to play when when we are being manipulated and stuff. Now, you mentioned that there was, you know, private jets and then one week and then so it was a rag to riches to rags kind of thing, wasn't it? Absolutely. A a huge amount of inconsistency. And I'll tell you one thing, Kevin, what ended up happening to me was that I I did reach, I mean, I, to tell you that I was in love with him, I don't know that it was, I don't know that I was ever in love with him, but the allure of what he offered, um, therefore taking advantage of my being naive. um, That's what kind of, you know, got to me, but there was a point in our marriage when I was sure I wanted to leave, but I couldn't. Why? because a narcissist often wants to keep you financially dependent on them as well. So already having a master's in health administration, I could have gone to get a job and, but you know, what about the kids? They'll use the kids, you know, you know, what are you going to do? No one's going to hire you. You haven't worked in so long. So all that negative talk that gets placed on you and you think, okay, the biggest fear I had though, wasn't that the big fear was if I leave him, I don't have money. I don't have family. I don't have friends. What do I do? I don't want to end up in the shelter system, but Kevin, that's exactly where I ended up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but he made it impossible for you to be independent because he controlled everything. And that's part of the narcissist thing is they, they like to control everything about you and, and what you're doing. Right. Yes, but you know he was very keen on how he did it, um, and this is where I ended up getting in trouble. So later down the line, I start to find out, you know, why was everyone else in charge of bank accounts? And I, I like things that did not make sense. But it seems now that I've you know figured it out that he ran out of people to con, and so he came to me. He's like, "Listen, we need a bank account." He was a trader, among God knows what other things. And so he, it says, you know, we need a bank account. I'm only going to trade for the family, no investors, none of that. He knew the things that I would not do. So he knew how to sugarcoat things. And that was my issue. So it looked like I had control of the bank accounts, but I really didn't because people didn't see the threats and manipulation on the back end that I had such an intent fear all the time. I couldn't make a move without him giving me permission to do that. That makes it really, 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 really hard. And then he, he, tell me about him, him forging some things that got you in trouble with the government. How'd that happen? Yeah. So there was um, some form that he had wanted. It, it was a, I guess the company called VIP Wall Street. Um, and of course he had me open up corporations and stuff saying, listen, this is just good to have 
because what ends up happening is, you know, we open our private business and I thought, okay, you know, narcissists know how to explain things. Um, later down the line, I figured that that was not true, but one of the forms he needed, I, I don't know what the wording was on there because I didn't see the form, but he knew I wasn't going to sign that form. So I would find out later that he's the one that forged my name on that paper. Now, Kevin, you might be asking, well, how do you know? Well, I'm a pretty determined woman now after going through what I've gone through. While we were still married and he was in prison by this point, he was desperate to keep the family together because we were basically all he had. So he finally basically confessed in an 18, 20 page letter. There was two letters that he wrote and he states in that letter, yes, I forged your signature because I needed it signed because I knew you wouldn't sign it. And I needed that. So he actually writes that he forged my signature. Well, that signature is what got me landed in a lawsuit with the SEC. Hence now a judgment. Hence being accused, and this is something that I want people to know too, the internet's great for certain things, but it's not always true. Google doesn't know everything. So when you Google me, I don't like myself. <laughs> <laughs> so heaven forbid what people you know end up thinking of you. So, so many people out there, especially kids, are being cyberbullied. And because the laws are so antiquated, we sit in this world where people, you have the right to freedom of speech. You also, at least under the Declaration of Human Rights with the UN, have the right to um, privacy. Um, but they don't exercise that. They don't exercise that. When, what do you mean? our privacy is not kept. So you can, you can sit there and talk all you want about someone because that's your opinion. That's um, if I oh, was to yeah. say, yeah. Kevin, um, Kevin has pink hair and no one's ever seen you. People if I had hair, it might be pink. pink. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I said, if I had hair, it might be pink. I don't know. It could be, you know, but you know what? Google said it. <laughs> and it, well, you know, I went to the doctor one time because I said, you know, I'm I'm having this symptom. And I went on Google and she said, she, don't ever do that. That's that's just not the right thing to do because it's it can be they're they're gonna tell you you're about ready to die. And uh, <clears throat> but it it's it's not true. So the, the online stuff and it's it's changing so fast that I'm not sure the laws could keep up with it anyway. I don't think so, only because um, laws take so long to actually get implemented. So by the time that something gets implemented, it's already time to change it again. Exactly. And yeah. it makes it, it makes it really, really tough. So yeah. so he's in <clears throat> he's in jail. You sign a restraining order and he's he's not going to be around you anymore. So you're sitting there. In, well, hopefully you're. you're sitting yeah. there <laughs> in, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, don't tell me you're you married him again. No. Oh God. Oh God. Oh no 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 no. <laughs> so so you were in a uh, you were in the shelter system with yeah. your three boys, yeah. and uh, and then th then you made some remarkable things happen. Tell us about that. Well, you know, I will tell you that I am extremely blessed to have a wonderful mother-in-law who is more of a guide to me. And she is a marriage and family therapist, but she has been a huge support for me, um, especially during the times when so many people, um, you know, didn't want anything to do with me. The first uh, shelter we were um, in Harlem and it was, nobody should ever live under those conditions. I don't care who you are. Um, and it was bad. And so I just sort of documenting things, but you know, I'm more educated and knowledgeable than a lot of people that do end up in the shelter system. And so I was able to navigate my way out of that one after about three weeks um, through showing, you know, the um, human resource and the human resource uh, organizations and just how bad this is and how it was affecting my kids' health. They transferred us to a, 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 a shelter in Brooklyn, which honestly should be the model for shelters. Great staff members, uh, beautiful facility. I mean, it was nice. The thing with the shelter system, um, at least in New York, is that they can switch you whenever they want without 
any warning. So I, um, I decided to take up a job as um, an assistant in a daycare in the Bronx, which, by the way, Kevin, I found out later that it was one of the worst areas of the Bronx. And I thought, oh. well, I didn't know. <laughs> oh, um, out of nowhere, um, they just they called me at work and said, OK, well, um, have your stuff ready by midnight because we're going to pick you up and and move you over to the east side. And I said, wait, 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 what? No. And my biggest concern was my kids. Like we were finally kind of settled in a clean place, not the best neighborhood, but they don't care about the kids and their mental health and how that impacts them. No. I fought my way through that and they said, okay, fine, we'll give you to the weekend. Great. Um, they moved us to another horrible place. I actually created a video on this because I had applied for social work school um, and I had to defer it for a term. But I wanted something to show people and especially professors and anyone that I was advocating with to say, listen, I'm not just book learned and I'm not doing this to help people. I'm doing this because I know I know what people are going through. So it was it was a difficult time. Um, I fought, fought, fought for a week. The lady, um, the director at the Brooklyn one really liked me. Uh, she held my our apartment for about a week. I fought and I kid you not. Till the very last minute, I was able to get a transfer again. So what under what circumstances do they give transfers? Is it by whim or is it do they use some sort of criteria? How do they how do they figure out who goes where? Um, well, we initially were in Manhattan, so I really wanted to be in Manhattan. So Harlem is considered Manhattan because it's on the island. Um, so they're like, well, you know, you're in Manhattan. And I said, nobody should be living under these conditions. As a matter of fact, when we first got to the shelter, this was probably, I mean, the system, it's almost like you're going to prison, right? Because you have to get processed and it's its about a good eight hour process. And finally, when the um, the van took us um, to the shelter, the, the security guard, a very sweet gentleman, his name was Mr. Smalls. And he just looks at me and he goes, Honey, there's a bucket and a mop up there and just try your very best. <laughs> and I was like, oh. but I, again, will tell you, Kevin, as much as, um, and there's a lot more to that, but as much as it was so difficult and I cursed God out, I did. I, I mean, I was like, you were at your lowest point looking on it now, it was probably one of the best things that could have happened to me to get to me to where I am now. Which is where are you now? Okay. So I uh, graduated from Fordham university uh, with my social work. Um, during my time there, I uh, really, really fought for position as a United Nations intern which I eventually got. Um, because of that, I became very close to the professor who saw my work ethic. And I was one of two interns uh, chosen, one of two students chosen to be the IFSW, which is the International Federation of Social Workers, uh, to be one of their interns. So there's only two students chosen to do this, to represent over 5 million social workers in the world. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And so because of that, um, and because I was determined to do something with my experience, um, I ended up winning an international award for uh, my research and presentation on the unseen abuses, um, because I really want people to know what psychological and emotional abuse is, how that affects you and how also financial abuse isn't just the abuse for the elderly, but also people like me that, you know, so um, I ended up getting a position uh, by graduation for um, to be an official UN representative with the IFSW. Um, and then I just found out uh, just yesterday, the day before yesterday, I had written an article for the new social worker and they published my article on being a uh, global social work uh, student. Um, during COVID. Oh gosh, what else? Um, oh, I'm also now a co-editor of a couple books that are going to be coming out um, called Behavioral Science in the Global Arena. 
Well, and you're also working with Peaceful Way Psychology, right? And I am working with, well, I'm two organizations. I'm working with Peaceful Way Psychology, which um, I'm working as a psychotherapist there. And I'm also working with comprehensive counseling. And that's usually with lower income individuals. So what is it about you? And I, I'm really curious about this because you were with a narcissist and it ended badly. You ended up in the system and uh, you had three boys you were trying to raise and, uh, and all of that. It would have been very easy for you to just shut it down and say, oh, you know, I'll just, I'll just survive. Yeah. And, but, but you decided not to take that path. Why was it, what is it about you that made you different than that? I think the first thing was anger. That'll do. Yeah, I think um, anger against the justice system, anger against the shelter system, anger against, um, you know, my ex, anger against myself for falling um, for the person that I did. Um, Anger for the injustice that so many people face and can't do anything about it. So I think that was my first driving force. It, you know, it's it's interesting that, that you say that because there is, and I know you know this because working with social workers and, and there's a lot of injustice in the world. Absolutely. There is a tremendous amount. And, you know, I think the greatest injustice is that people, general people like you and me are not heard. We're not considered. Um, it's people with money that can buy their way out of lawsuits or find the best attorneys. Um, it's those rich people that can get themselves out of situations that others can't. Um, education. If we look at those that really, really grow and become quite financially successful, there has usually been you know, some financial cushion for them. And that's not all because there are a lot of people that have worked really hard. But in this day and age, it's pretty hard. It, re- it really is. And there is, you know, what do you attribute? I know you've thought about this a great deal. What do you attribute to the disparity in opportunities that we have in our country and around the world? Because there seems to be, especially when we're talking about women, that there is a lot of disparity in the opportunities that people are given. What do you think that's all about? I think one of the greatest disparities is that um, education you must pay for in this country, higher education, at least. Um, healthcare, you know, healthcare is a human right. And yet in other countries, it's part of their system. Yes, that's a socialized, you know, system. But, you know, when you start to weigh out the pros and the cons, um, not having to worry about medical bills, Uh, knowing that your education is covered so that you can move forward. What do we hear from parents all the time, you know, as we were growing up and we tell our kids, get an education. It'll give you a good job. It'll give you connections. It'll give you everything you need. It'll make you successful. But you'd go to whatever school you go to and you end up in debt. And you, you know, that debt, you have to pay for, you know, some health care if you can. And high, you know, um, you know, cost of living. Everything is so expensive. Um, You know, one of the things that I think is just really difficult is those that want to get, you know, Eastern medicine. My youngest son suffers from very severe eczema. Hmm. And um, we have tried so much. He's even on the shot for Dupixent. It's it's called Dupixent. And um, it's helped a bit, but it's made other areas worse. And the best thing that has worked for him is Eastern medicine, Chinese medicine. I think that our country does a disservice for insurance is not covering that when people are at such um, they're in despair and yet we're making sure that, you know, you no, know, we'll pay for this, but we won't pay for that. Why do you think there's such a high suicide rate? People are not being heard. People feel desperate and they feel that that's their only way out, which is really sad. You know, it's interesting that you talk about healthcare because I've been talking to a lot of people from, you know, those, those people up in the great white north that are just above us. And, you know, eh, all those guys up there, you know, ah, the Canadians, <laughs> yeah, the Canadian folks. Eh, and, and I keep talking to them and they have got 
and every one of them that I have talked to, they've got a different mindset. And I said, what do you think it is? Why do you have a different mindset than we'd have in the United States? And, and to a person, they all said, it's because of the social safety net. Yeah. We we take care of our own. We make sure that, that if you need to go to the hospital, you can go to the hospital and then you don't get a million dollar bill, which is what happened to my brother-in-law, which is why he took his own life 20 years ago Yes, because, because his wife got very ill. So they don't, they don't think in terms of survival of the fittest, which is capitalism at its finest. And that's the, you know, that they think in terms of working together to help each other. I would, I think that that's the direction that our country needs to go. What do you think? Absolutely. Um, You know, thankfully, as I get a global uh, perspective on this, you know, is all socialized medicine great? No, but there is something to be said in the psychology of the mind when it comes to knowing that, well, if I get sick, I'll be okay. I'll get the help that I need. Will it be delayed? Possibly. Is it hard to get? Possibly, you know, but you know that it's there and therefore that kind of takes a little pressure off you, right? Mm-hmm. But for us in this country, how many people have not gone to a hospital or to the ER because I don't want that bill. I can't afford it. You know, one time um, my my oldest son was quite young and he has severe nut allergy to get an EpiPen. For some reason, at some point they had raised it like to like $300. And this was at one of the points where like we were on our down. And I thought to myself, this is a life-saving medicine. Heaven forbid he gets exposed to a nut. But Kevin, I'm going to tell you, I think it's all about money. It is. Let's keep the Americans sick because if we keep them sick, we'll give them more medicine. Who gets rich off that? Pharmaceutical companies. So let's just kind of all, and by the way, I'm just going to tell you, I was a pharmaceutical rep when I was in my twenties. So I'm just <laughs> kind of know. throwing that out there to be transparent. <laughs> then, then, you know, that, uh, in, in, in many cases, the doctors get, um, samples of yes, prescriptions yes. and, they, they deal in terms of prescription rather than natural healing, natural medicine. And, and most doctors, I'll give you an example. Most doctors in this country have got less than a semester of nutritional information that they get in, in through medical school. Yeah. So they don't look at nutrition as a viable way to have great health. Absolutely. You know, Kevin, Obviously, you know that I've, um, we've spoken about this before. Um, I've been stressed. You know, my body is kind of stuck um, in that, um, that the, the PTSD, it's, it's stuck in that fight or flight mode. Um, I've noticed changes in my body. I don't like them. Um, just as far as how I feel sluggish, um, my digestive system, not so great. Um, and so I was speaking to a friend of mine and she says, you need to go get, you know, checked. And I said, well, I went to the doctor and they told me everything's fine. She goes, no, you need to get checked. She goes, it's, it's a little pricey, but they'll work with you. Um, and I said, okay, well, I'll go. Um, and thankfully my mom, you know, was able to every once in a while help me. Um, uh, but I really tried to like not take from anybody at all. Um, but I decided to go to this wellness center. And they take your blood, they give you 30 pages of your blood work two weeks later to show you, well, this is what you're deficient. And long story short, um, they're trying to work with me with supplements, things that you can just get not, you know, natural healing and supplements, not get on the statin and get on the high blood pressure. Not that, you know what they say? That's going to make you even sicker. Yep. So there's something to be said about being able to, you know, allow people to have different options, Eastern medicine included, but because, you know, they want all the research, you know, it just just doesn't get paid for. Well, as you may or may not know, I'm sure you probably do, but the FDA does not have a team of scientists at our beck and call that are there to make sure that everything is the way it's supposed to be. Most of the uh, research is done by the company submitting the uh, um, the request for a particular medication. They do not even talk about uh, um, 
Eastern medicine or natural health and they don't test any of the pills. They're not looking at any of that. And and to be fair and to be honest, you have to be careful about the company you talk to talk to and the and the pills that you're taking because it's all about absorption and and not not, you know, uh, what you're what you're eating because you might just be passing it through rather than absorbing it and stuff. But if you are interested in that, you should be able to do it in this country without it costing you a ton. Absolutely. And, you know, that is one of the things that this wellness center has told me. They said, you know, try to eat this, try to not eat so much of that. And I'm a pretty healthy eater. Um, But just to know, just to have another side. And like I said, my son with eczema, all of the ointments and the medicines that he was taking weren't helping. Yet this eight-year-old is doing acupuncture and cupping and taking um, Chinese herbs that Kevin, everyone that looks at him says he looks amazing. Mm -hmm. This is Eastern medicine. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and also, you know, you we can get into a really long discussion about the devoid of nutrients in the food that we're eating uh, because of the farming practices and yada, 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 and all that kind of good stuff. But, uh, that's it's a whole really, other podcast. That, that is a whole other <laughs> podcast. But but I want to talk about you because you also are working with uh, different folks that are trying to get their lives together in yeah. a real positive way. And uh, you work with the uh, LGBTQ community and and their their concerns and relationships and trauma. You've had some and you have to have some to, to know some. Yeah. And so, you, you know, but you're, you're doing... You're doing some great work. How do you feel today? Do you feel like you are have moved in the right direction, that you're through all of that, and you're doing just fabulous work, or is there still some things going on? I think there will always be things, and I think that we always need things. Those things always remind us of why we're pushing forward and why we can't fall back to where we were. So I actually I appreciate the things. Um, but my experience, you know, I always tell my clients, I'm, I'm a little bit of a different clinician <laughs> and they like it. I tend to hold my sessions more as a conversation versus, um, you know, tell me how you feel. How does that make you feel? Um, a lot of my clients, when they're having relationship issues, I tell them right off the bat, I'm not here to break you up and I'm not here to keep it together. I'm here to be honest and help you see what is best for you. And I think that that's what a lot of clients really appreciate. Um, They also appreciate the fact that I'm really listening and I give my clients homework. Actually, I always tell my clients, you're going to see me once a week, but the work is within you. Every person out there has the tools they need to be able to make themselves the person that they want. The problem is that life keeps pushing us down and we end up thinking negatively of ourselves. We think that we can't do it. So as a therapist, I tell my clients, I am simply here as a guide. I'm here to empower you. I'm here to show you how to use your tools. And I, and I said, I love working with my clients, but I don't want to see you forever. Because if I see you forever, that means we haven't done our job together. It's a lot of work to get better, isn't it? A lot. And that's one thing that I do tell clients. I said, don't expect instant gratification. There's going to be good days. There's going to be really bad days. We're going to laugh and we're going to cry. But that journey is necessary. I believe that. And it, it, it is really so true that we, we had, explain this to me. Doc, not doc. You're not. Yeah, a doc. Well, <laughs> you're not yeah. a doctor, but you're. I think. Let me get on your. Do you have a couch, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> My um, virtual couch. <laughs> yes, your virtual vir, virtual couch. Why is it that so many of us are not able to to get out of our own way? Is it because of the stories that we've told ourselves and that other people have told us and about ourselves from when we were small children that we can't? We can't seem to get out of our own way and to get to, we know what we want, some of us, and we still can't get out of our own way. What is that mechanism like? There's a lot. There's a lot there. I mean, it depends on the client. Um, one of the things that I think people should look into is if you start to see a pattern, is there generational trauma? Generational trauma is something that, you know, has just happened generation from generation to generation. Um 
the indigenous population, I'm part of also the um, NGO committee of the rights of indigenous peoples. So, you know, working and seeing what happens with all the different indigenous populations around the world, the indigenous population says, you know, take care of your seven generations. What does that mean? You, you know that one. <laughs> I, I, I do. I use that one all the time. But tell our audience what that means. Yeah. So, um, you know, the generations before us are, you know, you want to leave a sustainable future for the seven generations that are going to be um, uh, coming forward in the future. And those ancestors that we had, they have kind of, you know, lived their life the way they have lived. So we want to be able to live our life so that we live, a, we keep a sustainable future for the seven generations before us. Um, now that's a little, I actually just used this with um, a patient today. Um, you know, especially when there's alcoholism, where did that come from? Well, mom and dad may have drank, right? Grandma and grandpa may have drank. Now there is a point where someone says, I I've had enough. No, it's like something's not right. And that's breaking that part of the seven generations, breaking that trauma, breaking that cycle. You have to break the cycle or it will repeat. And it's, it's just, it, it happens with abuse. It happens with sexual trauma. It happens with all kinds of stuff that, that, that somebody has to have the intestinal fortitude to break the cycle. Absolutely. So to your question, to your point, um, why don't people do it? Why do people do it? Um, I think one of the biggest reasons people don't do it is fear. Um, people want instant gratification. People don't want to take the journey because it's not easy. So there's a lot of different things. Um, you know, especially if you were in a relationship with abuse, you really don't think you can do it. Well, you know, so-and-so told me I couldn't. And look, I haven't done anything with my life and I, I can't afford an education. I can't, I can't, I can't is what we constantly hear. So what about those that do it? And I am one of those. Um, that's where I said earlier, anger. You know, I, I want to be someone. I want to do something. And because the bottom really sucked, I don't want to go there again. <laughs> that's motivation in and of itself. But, you know, I think also um, if people have children, I think for them, my, my driving force was my children. And, um, you know, people don't look at the psychological trauma that impacts children. So um, the international award that I won, I, I really based it on myself a bit. And I thought, well, what is it? Like, you know, cause I was trying to protect my kids. Well, it's about 33% of children that may not experience trauma, psychological trauma, emotional trauma, verbal abuse. They may not experience it, but if they hear it or witness it, they now become part of that cycle. Now, if they don't get the help that they need, what ends up happening is that about 33% of those people will move on to go into abusive relationships. And now our cycle continues, which is why my desire to create heightened awareness of these unseen abuses is just really a passion of mine. Well, even in, in, in family situations where, as an example, dad is distant, well, it's because grandpa was distant yeah. and his dad was distant. And it was, that's just the way, that's just the way men are. We're just not loving and we're not, you know, we're not going to be huggy and all that kind of, that's not manly. And so it becomes a, a, a blight on the kids and it turns around unless somebody is willing to make the changes, they end up doing the same thing that their parents did. Yeah. And they don't even recognize it. So this is something that I do a lot with patients and um, it's a difficult process for them, but they understand why I do it. Um, and I'll take an example of a client that I saw today. Uh, well, my dad was just really angry all the time, but why? Well, I don't know. No, you do know. Why? Well, I mean, his mom and dad, and then this happened, this happened. Okay. So, so why do you think dad's angry? You find out, Oh, dad, you know, you're, with your example, Oh, dad didn't give enough. Why? So I keep asking the why and you kind of create this pyramid and they go, oh, <laughs> there's always a aha moment in there yeah. somewhere. 
Yeah. That, that it's like, oh, now I get it. Well, I say it's like in in my case, my father, who as he got older became a wonderful man, but when he was working and was younger, he wanted nothing to do with the kids. Yeah. Didn't like kids. Mm-hmm. He had kids because everybody had kids. He got married at, when he was twenty one because that's what you did back then, and uh, and so. But it was a repeat of the of the cycle that needed to be broken, yeah. and uh, and I I tried very hard with my children to be engaged, to do, to be around for them and Absolutely. stuff. So, and that could help break the cycle. Maybe uh, it depends on what my kids end up doing. Maybe, but you know what? You broke your cycle, yes, right? I did. And so, and that's the most important point is that you broke your cycle. Once you do that, things are inevitably, inevitably going to get better. Are they going to be great all the time? No, but there are going to be portions that you're going to say, okay, this is different. This is good. No, unless you've got positive talk radio, because um, I'm positive all the time and generally happy a lot of the times. And um, most of it's not chemically induced. So that's, it's really nice that I can do that. No, it is. And you know what? This is absolutely why I love positive talk radio, because we have so much bad news. Why? Because the news knows that people want to survive. And if we impose fear in people, then they're going to keep watching the news. But positive talk, you know, it kind of gets your hormones kind of going and happy. And, you know, instead of, you know, drinking, instead of taking a medication, you know, being surrounded by positive talk, positive people, um, that really does have something to say. Sometimes I tell my clients, you know, I had a client say, well, I went to a party and I really didn't want to go, but, you know, I acted happy. I said, so you faked it. Good. It kind of gives you that moment of I'm happy. And you're kind of like, you know, you know, psyching your mind out. And that sometimes is a good thing. Is that kind of like uh, fake it until you make it? Mm, of- pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and that's that's a, that's the a thing. And you can be you get to, I love this is what I love about life. Shanae, by the way, we're talking with Shanae, um, 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 you know, Osborne. <laughs> Oh, and uh, go to her website, which is daremetospeak.com, and you can find out all about her and what she's doing, and uh, you can work with her. That would be that would be fun. Uh, now, you, you, you work with people remotely too, as well, I would think. I do state. work with people remotely. The only thing is, as I'm licensed in New York, um, I work with, currently, I work with uh, clients in New York. However, um, I do a lot of a lot of advocating work. Um, so that's that I can do global <laughs> and okay. I do global. Now, when you say advocate advocating work, what, what, what are we talking about? What do you mean? Um, so, for example, I'm part of a lot of different committees. Um, so tonight, actually, I'm going to be um, I was part of a planning committee for IFSW, but for the Commission on the Status of Women. Um, that is actually um, that one and the Commission on Social Development are two commission statements that I actually wrote with um, a friend of mine that was the other um, intern for the UN. So these are in the forever records as far as what um, IFSW believes um, is needed for the vulnerable women in this world. Um, so that's one of the things that you know we had done. You are a busy person. You, you do you do you ever take time off for yourself? You know, I actually have started. Um, you know, you said something about your kids and trying to spend more time with them. I've had to work, as you can imagine, very hard to build myself up back again. Um, and I am trying to still fight the SEC and appeal and appeal. And I'm like, this is not my debt. So I, I work really hard as far as that's concerned and try to like fix that. But you know, I told Peaceful Way Psychology the manager there. She's she's so sweet, and I said, you know. I know that I'm supposed to be scheduled on Saturdays at times. I just, I just really don't, I want to spend time with my kids and I kind of want to take a mental health break, you know, during the weekend and rebuild. So she heard me. So at least for March, hopefully longer, um, I've been able to do that, but yeah, I'm trying to spend more time with the kids, just not do anything um, on the weekends. That not only helps me, but it helps my kids. And I wanted to touch upon something that you had stated as far as breaking the cycle. And you were talking about your dad. My son, my oldest son, I'm really proud of. Um, we talked about the restraining order. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going back to court um, April 1st. And, um, you know, my two older kids 
but they're older, right? 12 and um, 15. This is another injustice um, in the system. You know, the, the courts will listen to them. You know, they, they know what they, you know, they want. They're old enough to make decisions. The little one's younger, you know. So even though they have an attorney that represents them, the younger child, and this is something that really irritates me with the court system, the younger child is not often heard. And if a child doesn't want to do something, for whatever reason it may be, why force them into something? So I'm hoping that I can keep the restraining order um, for all of us. I'm trying to do everything and anything possible with um, his stress, with the eczema. The stress is the worst thing uh, for sure. them. And sure. so I'm hoping that that is considered by the courts. But my oldest child, um, kind of like you, Kevin, he wrote a letter, which his lawyer said, we'll just kind of summarize it, but basically said letter to dad. And that letter to dad was, dad, I know that your dad wasn't the dad that you needed. And apparently his dad was, you know, like him. And you couldn't be the dad that I needed. And I'm really summarizing here. But dad, I can no longer be your son and I will never be like you. Good for your son. Yeah. And that was, I cried when I read that because I said, wow, good for you. Well, he had the opportunity. He was on the receiving end of what happens when somebody is dysfunctional and and is is uh, narcissistic and is going to create a bunch of problems. And he he doesn't want that. He saw what he saw because he loves you. He saw how it was affecting you. And, Absolutely, and that's the indirect I was talking to you about. Yeah. Right. Kids are so brilliant and intelligent. We can learn from them. Yes, we if can. We're willing to listen to them. I think I think you're right. We need we need to listen to our children because they have got some in some in some strength to them. Absolutely. They see they have such an innocence about them that they see what we can't see. We we've had it beaten out of us. Life has beaten all of that stuff out of us over time. And uh, they still have a fresh look. And we should we should take advantage of that fresh look. Absolutely. Because in, in my day, uh, I was I was told, don't talk back, young man. Uh, you know, keep to yourself. And uh, if I wanted to hear from you, I would beat it out of you. Those sorts of things. Because yeah. we, were to, we were told children should be seen and not heard. Absolutely. And I think that's a crime. I mean, I, so in I one sense, sense. Well, it, it, it didn't. But on that, you know. On the flip side of that, I think that if more parents were willing to be parents and more present and really discipline their children, I think children would be a bit more respectful these days. But now you're just seeing this chaotic mess in the school system and parents like me really trying to like discipline their kids and raise them in a certain direction. Um, it's almost like I'm mothering a whole school because when those kids come home and they're acting out for whatever reason, well, why? Because they were around kids that aren't being disciplined. <laughs> they are not being taught and guided. We are. We, it's, it's, a, it's a strange time that we're living in because everybody's working and, and it takes two incomes now. Nobody's home with the kids yeah. and nobody's disciplining them. And, and, and it, it causes a lot of dysfunction. So I guess that means that you're going to be employed for a very long time. I certainly hope so. <laughs> By the way, we've been talking with Shanae Osborne, and you can go to her website. Please do daremetospeak.com and, and talk to her. She's a lovely lady, and she does a lot of stuff, and she, you work really hard. And I'm, I'm proud to know you. I've, I've had a good time talking with you today. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure, Kevin. And I just really love and appreciate everything that you're doing because this is really important for not only our country, our world. I believe that. And there are certain parts of the world where you happen to be blowing each other up. And that just isn't that just doesn't sit well. Um, and we've got to we've got to knock that stuff off and, <laughs> and realize, you know, who am I? But that's 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 my advice. <laughs> knock it off, you guys. Yeah. yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> so before we go, is there anything you'd like to tell our audience uh, that are listening now or listen, going to listen later? Anything at all you'd like to share? You know, I just want people to know that they can do anything that they set their minds out to. Um, 
when they're feeling desperate, when they're feeling lonely, there's always resources out there. Um, even even the positive talk radio, I think, is really important to to just listen to. Know that life isn't going to be really difficult. If you're in a relationship that is just you you realize is not working for you, figure a way out. Take it from someone who has hit the bottom and been in the shelter system. If you're determined, you will get out. But I just I just hope that, you know, people start to recognize what psychological abuse is, emotional abuse, protect your children, protect yourself. And I hope that the judicial system decides to actually start listening to people that matter, because there's a lot of people that need to be listened to and a lot of injustice that needs to be become just. Absolutely. And I want to thank you very much for for being here. And and just as a reminder to people, you know. When you wake up in the morning, your life at that particular moment and in that present moment, your life is empty and meaningless. So that means that you get to fill it up with it, with whatever you want to fill it up with, and you get to assign whatever meaning you want it to have. And so it's an extremely powerful thing if you look at it that way when you get up every day and say, how am I going to make an impact today, a positive Absolutely. impact? And I think the best part of it is if you have enemies or people that don't like you, you know, beat them at their own game. You yeah. know, be be the person, prove them wrong. I think that has been my biggest thing is I'm trying to prove people wrong. And Kevin, I thank you for letting me tell my story because not many people have heard me. I haven't been able to get out there. Um, and there's millions more like me that I would love to speak to and really try to create awareness so that there can finally be justice you are a smart person and you're i would love to have you back can you come back and we can talk about abuse and we can talk about trauma and that kind of stuff i would absolutely love that that would be such an honor and a pleasure thank you kevin you're on my list don't go far <laughs> you are too much fun kevin it's been such a pleasure <laughs> hey, thank you so much i've i've really enjoyed it and uh, you have Yours, you've got a meeting to go to and all that. And it's, what is it? Five o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock there. So you, you have yourself an, an awesome day. Stay right there. And I got to do this and I'll be right back. Thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of kmmedia.pro. Please visit our website, oddly enough, named kmmedia.pro for more details about us and our mission which is to provide great, positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to each other, because each other's all we've got. We'll see you next time.